Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome once again to another exciting, thrilling, wondrous, disastrous, probably going to go off the rails real quick episode of So I Married a Horror Fan. I am Simon. I'm Lee. What I should have said is, welcome to Fright Night. Mm, that's not. Welcome to Fright Night, for real. Because uh, today we are covering, for our last episode of March, for our last episode of Remakes Month, we are covering the 2011 remake of the 1985 classic, Fright Night. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you reckon Tom Holland's parents were like massive fans of the original? That's why he's called Tom. After the director. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Tom Holland, great man. Made the original, made Chucky. The mm. first Chucky movie. Child's to play. Um, yeah, let's get let's get let's get a little quick rundown of uh, who 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 are the main players in this movie, and then let's who the main players? let's get into it. Okay, so Fright Night released in twenty eleven. It was directed by Craig Gillespie, he of I Tonya and Pam and Tommy fame. Sure, and it was written by the original one was written by Tom Holland, and then the, this screenplay was written by Marty Noxon. Cast who, Martin Oxen, who was one of the um, showrunners and producers on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Fair. Cast-wise, we have Anton Yelchin as Charlie Brewster, Colin Farrell as Jerry, Tony Collette as Jane Brewster, David Tennant as Peter Vincent, Imogen Poots as Amy, Christopher Mintz Plasse, Plasse? Plaz. Plaz as Ed, Dave Franco as Mark, Reed Irwin as Ben, who I'm assuming is our other friend. I think that's kind of it, to be honest. Yeah, pretty much. Everyone else is just additional cast. TBH. Everyone else sucks. I mean, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying everyone else is, like, additional. But sure. But yeah, there you go. I have a question for you. Uh, I've not done the synopsis yet. <sighs> Let me do this because otherwise I'll forget and we forgot to do it for weeks on end. Synopsis says, when a nice new neighbour moves in next door, Charlie discovers that he is an ancient vampire who preys on the community. Can he save his neighbourhood from the creature with the help of the famous vampire killer, Peter Vincent? Yeah, that's the, that's the movie. Do you think if shot. Craig Gillespie made this movie now, Sebastian Stan would play Jerry? Probably. Soon as I like best mate, and uh, he directed uh, Pam and Tommy and... Well, there was someone else up for the role of Jerry originally, wasn't there? I don't remember. I don't know a lot about this movie, like the casting of this movie. Um, I It was one of those movies, it came out. Um, yeah. And so in early stages of development, Heath Ledger was considered for the role of Jerry, but sadly passed away yeah. before the film started filming. Big Heath. Yeah, this movie kind of snuck up on me, because... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of like age myself a little bit with this. I was a born the same year that Fright Night, the original Fright Night came out. Um, and it's one of those movies I didn't discover until I was a little bit older. Because, truth be told, the vampires in Fright Night scare the fucking piss out of me. Um, and every like whenever I would see them as a child, I didn't know it was a horror comedy. Because they would always show the clips with the vampires. And I'd be like, this is some scary ass shit. Um, I did see the original... Um, probably just before I saw this, or just after, one of the two. 
But in fairness, I haven't seen this movie in like a decade. Mm. So, and I think I've only seen the original once. But yeah, so those remakes, it kind of like, like a lot of remakes from the 2000s to the 2010s, it's one of those ones where I was like, I'm not overly familiar with the source material. So I can kind of appreciate it for what it is. It's not like Friday the 13th or like Nightmare on Elm Street where I was like, I knew every one of those movies like inside and out. So to me, I actually probably appreciate this movie a way more than what most people do mm. because I just I just will like it for what it is. And I think Colin Farrell is fucking the bomb in this movie. Colin Farrell is amazing in this film. He's, he's fucking great in this movie. Because you've never seen the original, have you? I have not. Or the sequel. Nope. Um, so you you kind of neither sequel because there's the original <laughs> sequel and the, the the in name only sequel. Yeah, fucking hell. Um, did you see this movie when it originally came out? No, I don't think I saw it for like maybe a good four or five years after it came out, and I literally watched it because I was binging a bunch of David Tennant films. Mm-hmm. And obviously, this is on the list of shit David Tennant has been in. I was like, well, I have to watch it now. Yeah. So this was a. Uh, that was my reasoning for watching it originally. But yeah, um, I kind of vaguely remember watching it for the first time. Because um, I've only ever seen it once. So this is only my second time ever seeing this film. And I'll tell you what, I don't remember most of this movie. Like, rewatching it, I was like, I don't remember any of this. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember a lot of it. I think I, I remember. In my head, I thought that the ending was a lot funnier, and I thought the whole third act took place at Peter Vincent's mansion slash set, mm. um, and it doesn't. It takes place in like fucking Jerry's boring ass house, because mm-hmm. um, the stuff at Peter Vincent's house. So, for in, anyone that's never seen this movie, David Tennant is basically playing some weird hybrid of Chris Angel, Jared Leto, and fucking Russell Brand. Russell Brand. And it's the weirdest. He's some like mind freak, magician, vampire hunter, goth, fucking televangelist. But he is none of those things in actual facts. Yeah, it's weird. Like he's like he's like all of those dudes and none of those dudes, Um, which is really weird because it's a fucking weird like character for him to play. Like in retrospect, like when you see the movie, it makes sense. But I'm like, in my head, I'm like, he's just playing Russell Brand. Why did they not just hire Russell Brand? True he, was a, he was a thing at this time. Like, they could have easily just got Russell Brand to do it. It was really funny, though, is watching this movie now. Obviously, seeing where David Tennant's career has gone. You can see um, how previous characters have inspired some of his more recent characters. Because although he's not as sweary, um, his character does kind of remind me a little bit of Crowley. Mm-hmm. And also there is there is drops of the Doctor in there as well, which always makes me chuckle. Also, David Tennant is one of like those British people that like Doctor Who is reasonably big in America. It's massive in America. Um and like he's a good actor, but Americans do not know what to do with him. There's like a bunch of actors from the UK. Simon Pegg is one. David Tennant is one. Matt Smith is one. They get them in these movies and then they don't know what to do with them. And I feel like that's kind of really indicative of David Tennant's, like, American career. Like, he was in Jessica Jones. He's in this. He's He was very good in Jessica Jones. He's very good in this as well. But he's, there. like, not in a lot else. And they don't really know how to, like, utilise him. Um, it's really weird. Because it's not... he. He's not 
a bad actor. He's actually a very good actor. Mm -hmm. And he's not un un unattractive in a certain light. And he's also not uncharming. Like, he should be fucking doing Cumberbatch Hiddleston roles. Like, of all the people that have played the Doctor recently... Feel... Like, he's he's arguably the most charismatic and the most versatile as an actor. I feel like part of that is on him, though. Like, because man has, like, an actual family. Mm -hmm. And, like, is relatively involved with them. Yeah. Like, I think it is the fact that like, he doesn't really want to go out and do seven months filming this thing out here when he's like, oh... I could do a bit part role and then spend seven months at home with my kids. All I'm saying is there is like five children. There is an alternate MCU where Tom Hiddleston turns Loki down and David Tennant plays him. I mean, I wouldn't be angry. I'm just, I'm just saying, like that could be a thing. I do love David Tennant. But um, I'm not, I'm not, wouldn't be angry at that. But it's weird seeing him in this movie because you're so used to seeing him play like, I don't know, not characters like this. And it's just a weird part for him. I don't know, though, because I feel like he's one of those strange actors when you actually look at, like, what he's done in his career. Like, you'll say, like, oh, this is a really weird character for him. I remember I'd watched this not that long after I'd watched him play Casanova. I was going to say, it's him that plays Casanova, isn't it? Yeah, the BBC adaptation. Isn't that how he got the Doctor? basically just... Maybe. Because Russell T. Davis did that before he... Potentially. Was the showrunner. But he is basically two. just running around having sex with everybody wearing leather pants. And I'm like, I see the parallels. Mm -hmm. I see the parallels. I mean, David Tennant has a really interesting career, to be fair. But um, his Casanova is amazing. I would recommend watching it at some point because it is fucking funny. He's, he's the only member of this cast that stands out to me. Is like, why are you here? He's uh, also... The main comic relief of this movie, because all the funny him shit and happens. Evil Ed, because Evil Ed yeah, says Evil some fun Ed. Shit. But most of the funny shit happens around David Tennant, yeah. which I appreciate. Man has been in a lot of stuff. He's the only reason my mum watches this movie. Oh really? Your yeah. mum also loves David Tennant. Yeah, she does. I um, feel like I knew that about your mum, to be honest. But yeah, he's the only reason she watches because she doesn't like Colin Farrell or any of the other people in it. See, I do like uh, Colin Farrell. And I think so she's fine. I think she's a big fan of the original. I could be wrong, though. Mm. My mum likes and dislikes a lot of stuff. It's hard to keep up with what she does and doesn't like. <laughs> Did not realise he was in Blackpool. Um, but yeah, he's he, he comes into it in the second half of the movie because he plays the character that Roddy McDowell plays in the original. But er, like casting-wise, for a remake, like I know we said last week when we talked about House of Wax... How we fucking hated everybody except for Paris because mm -hmm. they were all just fucking really miscast. This movie surprisingly seems very well cast. Like you talk about the original, and obviously Chris Sarandon played Jerry in the original. Um, and for a man of the eighties, he was a very majestic, very sexual man. Uh, TM cast me to hell using that phrase there. Sorry, sorry lads, getting the sexual man out. Um, so they always had to cast someone who had like sex appeal and was sexy but felt dangerous um and i'm like that's why now having watched fresh i'm like craig gillespie makes us now sebastian stan turns turtleneck steve into jerry dangerage oh, yeah, like, very easily like that's a very easily through very easy through line and it's weird i actually mentioned this because karen kusama who directed jennifer's body and destroyer which has got sebastian stan in it 
is directing a Dracula movie for Universal and wants him to play Dracula. So I feel like there's these motherfuckers out there that want him as a vampire. I'd pay good money to watch um, Vampire Sebastian. Hey, look, man, all I'm saying is I've already seen Mm. him dance around a room with a human leg. That's true. Yeah, this is like one of those really movies, especially coming off from last week, which, by the way, uh, me and House of Wax, after having ruminated on it, did not get along because I had (laughs) horrific nightmares after watching it. Apparently, I realised I was scared of Waxworks. I feel like you shouldn't have admitted that in a public space. I mean, I admit I was scared of clowns at work once, and they kept sending me pictures of clowns worrying Yeah, our fucking nights. inbox is going to be spammed with fucking Madame Tussauds motherfuckers now. I mean, it's now. fine, because she handled all our socials, so... <sighs> Um, um, yeah. But yeah, so this this film is the the complete opposite. So we talked about last week how really the only good thing in the film is Paris Hilton. This week, for me, the only bad thing in the film was fucking McLovin because I cannot stand that kid. Um, it depends because there's I hate him. like a he never ages. No, he doesn't. This is very um, true because he popped up in Promising Young Woman, mm-hmm. which we watched last year. year but before. he also plays the exact same character yeah. in everything, and he is wildly irritating. But he he looks exactly the yeah, same. He does, and he's like ne- he must be nearly forty now. Probably um, getting there because he's the same age as like Michael Cera. Because yeah, you are right. He turns up in. This is the end, and he's just coked out of his fucking mind like a jackass. Mm-hmm. He turns up in Promising Young Woman, and he's a creeper. He's a fucking D&D ma- masturbating fucking weirdo in Role Models. He's the fucking sidekick who... No, he's, yeah, he's like the sidekick who becomes the villain in fucking Kick-Ass. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's obviously in, like, super bad because everyone knows him. And he's, like, got a weird bit part in fucking Pitch Perfect... He says, like, five lines, and he's in two scenes in Pitch Perfect. Oh, yeah, because he's one he's of the, the kids who do the... The auditions. Auditions. Yeah, I honestly cannot stand him at all. And everything he's in, just for me, I'm just like, oh, for fuck's sake. And the longer he's on screen, the more irritated I get with the movie. Cause I, I don't know what it is, because he's never done anything that's, like, made me go, oh, that was horrific, what have you done? It's more just, he's really annoying. He is the acting equivalent of a pop-punk frontman. Like, mm. he, is, he, is, he is this dude who's got into this mould of, like, hey, I'm cool, I'm edgy, I'm down with the kids, I'm secretly a 40-year-old, but I'm actually just going to hang out in all these, like, spaces with teens. He's the, he's the hello, my fellow young people me. Yeah. He's the fucking Buscemi me, yeah. isn't he? And I said to you, in this, he reminds me of Pierre from Simple Plan. A little bit, Who yeah. is, like, also a 40-year-old man who hasn't grown up. But, yeah, I... He's the one thing in this film. So he is the, he is the polar opposite of Paris Hilton in House of Wax. Yeah. Fucking can't stand him. But I feel like... In this movie, it serves having him in the role because he is meant to be an irritating little shit. You are meant to hate him. I know, but I just I fucking can't stand the prick. But like, I'm sure he's perfectly lovely. Like, I don't know why I hate him so much. I just do. <laughs> Speaking of people with hateable faces, Dave Franco is also in this as well. I see. I don't mind Dave Franco. I know that's like a wildly weird opinion, but I honestly don't mind Dave Franco at all. I think he's a smug prick. Or he looks like a smug prick. He does look like... He has got a very smug face. But I think it's because the first time I ever saw Dave Franco anything, I saw him in Scrubs. Yeah. Because he was in the final season, the the reboot season of Scrubs, mm-hmm. and it went anywhere. And I, lo- I, I think I'm pretty sure his character is like a really outrageous douchebag in it. Mm-hmm. And I loved him. I thought it was fucking hilarious. But then he's another one who plays these like similar roles, Neighbours. Mm. 
21 Jump Street. I think he's been in a couple of things where he has like these really heartfelt moments mm. and it's really un- like, unexpected. You're like, hang on, is that... Also, okay, Franco doing heartwarming and nice. Also, yeah. horror director James Franco, mm. uh, Dave Franco, not James. Fuck James, fuck Dave James. Franco, because um, he directed The Rental, which came out last year, which was <laughs> apparently quite a good little horror movie. He's he also uh, married to the Brie, isn't he? Yeah, he's married. Uh, Alison, not Larson. <laughs> Alison Brie, not Brie Larson. He. Although he is date, is he dating Brie Larson in Twenty One Jump Street? Is that why my brain made that connection? Aren't they uh, like maybe. they're in the secret like eco drug gang? Aren't they? I think so. Because yeah. she is in. Sorry for the weird tangent. She's in the weird fucking play of Peter Pan. Yes, is with, that Brie Larson? Yeah, I haven't seen Twenty One. And Dakota Jump Johnson's in it as well. Because she's one of the fucking undercover. You know when you know there's like all the group of girls that always give them shit when they come. Yeah, up no, missions. I know, babe. I'm fully aware of Dakota Johnson's. I in need them. to rewatch that movie. But yeah, no. So I don't hate Dave Franco. Like I know it is like one of those things. That most people don't like him very much. Mm-hmm. I, I have no, I have no feelings. I'm like, I, I don't mind him. I, th- I find him mildly. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I find him preferable to his brother. Oh yeah, I'd rather. But I, I also watch. I'd rather watch paint dry than watch James Franco in it. I would also times. rather have a steaming bag of cat shit thrown at my face than have to watch anything with James Franco in it. So that's true. Um, yeah, no, this I don't know what it is, but yeah, I quite like. I do quite like Dave Franco. And he's not really in this. He's like in about three scenes. And he has a, a great line at the end. Oh, what, he's like weird night. Weird night. Uh, <laughs> Tony Collette's in this movie. Yeah. Who is genre royalty? She's go in, on, go off about Tony She's Collette. in Hereditary, she's in Sixth Sense, she's in some new thing that's just popped up on Netflix as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she's in this. And she's a woman from Muriel's Wedding. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Tony Collette is in this um, as his mum. So I'm just a huge Tony Collette fan. I'm just and... putting it out there and I'm just there like, eh, babes, you go off, it's fine. So yeah, she's in, she's in this as his mum. She doesn't get, again... She's kind of inconsequential. She gets like very little to do yeah. other than be the mum, which is a weird thing now because I feel like this is a role that Tony Collette has kind of found herself in over the last few years. She is the mum. She's the mum in this Knives Out because she's uh, is she Thingy's mum? No, she's not Thingy's mum, is she? She's or is she his sister? She's related. She's one of the family, but I can't. I, I don't think she's Chris she's Evans. She's a teenage is, girl's one. She's Chris yeah, Evans' she's sister. Yeah, she's Chris Evans' sister. Yeah, because Jamie Lee Curtis is their mum, or is she Jamie Lee Curtis? Is she Jamie Lee's sister? I don't know. She's part of the family. Yeah, and then yeah, she just does like the mum stuff in this. She just is. She just does the mum role. She's like, haha, my son's acting weird. Haha. Like, I don't know what to do. My son's weird. He's hunting vampires when he could be wanking or having sex with his girlfriend. I don't know what to do. That's literally the extent of her character in this. I think she's a real estate agent. Yeah, she is. They, she's they, the first thing we learn about. <laughs> yeah, her, but they right? don't really, they don't really mention it. They're like, oh hey, she's a real estate agent because we know this because she talks about selling the house next door and she's got some Chekhov's gun, fucking real estate plaques in her garage. But yeah, she's really. For, like, a lot of the mum roles in these movies, she's really underwritten. She doesn't do a lot. And I think the same with Imogen Poots. Imogen Poots, as his girlfriend Amy, gets fuck all to do as well. This is, like, a real three-person movie. This is, like, an Anton Yelchin, David Tennant, Colin Farrell trifecta. It is a menage handsome mantois. Um, It's just a bunch of handsome dudes fighting each other. 
But like you look at you look at like Anton Yelchin, and it's weird to go back and watch this movie in retrospect and see not only how young he is in this movie, mm-hmm. but the fact that he would like pass away five years later. See, I Anton Yelchin. Anton Yelchin's one of those weird actors. I've never really seen him in a lot, but I, there's there's something about him that I just in, instantly love because he did this. He's in an episode. He's in one of my favorite episodes of Criminal Minds, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, he is in uh, Memoirs of a Teenage Amnesiac, which is it's a Japanese film. He's in that horror movie Odd Thomas. He's in Odd Thomas, which I also quite like. Mm-hmm. He did Star Trek. I've, I've seen a Star yeah, Trek Yeah, he's movie. in um, all three of the, the I, I saw the first one. I didn't movies. watch the rest of them. And he's in something else as well. He's in Green Room. No. Where he plays like the leader of a punk band. And him and Imogen Poots are in a punk band together and they get hunted down by, like, neo-Nazis. Only lovers left alive. Mate, did you know... I'm going to blow your mind hole with this movie because I don't know if you, I don't think you've ever seen Green Room. Patrick not. Stewart plays the leader of the neo-Nazis in that movie. I did know that. I did know that. But, yeah, he's also in Only Lovers Left Alive and he's in um, Burying the Ex as well, mm. which is the other movie that's, that's not Life, not after, life Beth. after Beth. I'm sorry, but why would you make Patrick Stewart be a bad man? Because Patrick Stewart is a gift and he's an amazing actor and he can do anything and you will believe it and then afterwards go, I can't believe I believed that about yeah, Patrick Stewart. Yeah, but I always, I always want to root for Patrick Stewart. I do, yeah, I always want to root for Patrick Stewart. He has, he's, there, he's just lovable. And sexy. And he, he is sexy. And he has a really sexy action figure. <laughs> Cute little butt. Um, but yeah, like, so the cast in this movie, given the fact that it's a remake, is actually really solid. My My only main issue with this movie is it's that whole thing that we said about House of Wax. It's a fucking MTV music video fucking direction. Like, a lot of these movies, so a lot of these remakes, man, I feel like they lost a lot of what made the original so good. Mm -hmm. Like, I know you hate it, but you look at the remake of The Hills Have Eyes, Mm. and it is dirty and it is grimy, but it's nowhere near as dirty and grimy as what the original one is. I don't really remember, babe, because I've basically blocked that movie from my memory. It was traumatic for me. And like we said with, like, House of Wax, House of Wax is a completely different movie to what the original is. And Dawn of the Dead, completely different. It's more of an action movie, the remake, than what the original one is. This movie, like, this movie loses a lot of points because it, it is very stylish, but it's very CGI heavy when it doesn't need to be. It's too that, glossy. Yeah, and that's my problem with it. Like the thing is, don't get me wrong, I've got no issue with glossy vampire films. Mm-hmm. They have a place in the world. Mm-hmm. However, a film that is about a thousand-year-old vampire, however old he is, 400 years old, yeah. um, who is basically slowly killing off an entire small town mm-hmm. to turn into vampires to like recreate his tribe... Should not be a glossy film. It should be dirty and a bit mm. grimy and gross. And it is so glossy. And the fucking... Like, everything they do with CGI in this movie could have been achieved by practical effects. And the fact that they chose <coughs> to use CGI instead of practical is fucking irritating. Do you know what annoys me? Craig Gillespie, when he directed fucking Pam and Tommy, went to all the effort to make sure Pam and Tommy... Like, Lily James had a fucking fake prosthetic boobs. She had makeup. She had prosthetics on. He fake was, teeth. He was wearing prosthetics. They spent money on, on an actual penis. puppet, uh, spoilers, of a penis in 2022. Why, 10 years ago, could they not have spent the money on facial prosthesis for the actors to look like vampires? 
Because that's one of the best things about the vampires in the original, is they have the big giant shark mouths. Like, I showed you the picture of yeah, Amy no, from the original, and I was like, this is why they're so scary, man. And the thing is, as well, is like this was not made on like a small budget. It was made on like a 30 mil budget. Yeah. Like, you could have very easily shelled out the extra yeah. to have prosthetics done. It would have probably been cheaper than the CGI that looks terrible and has not aged well. Yeah. Some of the CGI in this movie is well ropey. Yeah. The scene at the end when he kills Jerry and Jerry, like, bursts into flames is like some fucking Van Helsing Underworld 2003 PS1 graphics looking shit. It is fucking dreadful. And I'm like, why... Like, I hate to say it, I hate to be that guy, because these mo- those movies were all the rage at this time. Fucking Twilight had better vampire effects than this fucking movie. That is very true, it did. And, like, the vampire effects in Twilight aren't, aren't that great. No. But they look a damn sight better than this fucking shit. That's very true. And to be fair, a lot of vampire films from this time had better vampire effects than this. And the thing is, as well, is all they had to really do was give them, like, the big, like, Chelsea grins. Yeah. And like, they, like, it's not like it was, like, a massive practical effect that would have cost hundreds upon thousands of pounds no. to make. Because in the original, like, they look like the Joker, but with shark teeth. Yeah, pretty much. And it's an effect I've definitely seen done in multiple different films, especially from like the 70s and 80s, because I'm assuming it wasn't that expensive to do. Yeah. Because you can do it with makeup. Mm-hmm. Do you know, do you, I, again, I'm ageing myself, but I talk about this show a lot, so I don't think it really matters. Um, Buffy had some of the best vampire makeup. It did, that is very Like, true. both the show and the film. Because the show, like, they had the little ridge... The little ridges. Uh, they had like, the little Klingon foreheads, didn't they? The, like, yellow eyes. And um, the way that they transform is very They were cool. all, like, crinkly forehead, yellow eyes. <laughs> yeah. That's Whereas like you knew the, they were a vampire. The CGI in this movie, in certain scenes, is, like, absolute dog toilet. There's a scene where he... The scene where they're driving in the desert doesn't even look like they're on a real road. It looks like the car is super imposed and like you know one of those like track things where they have the the picture going next to it. Stuff like that. I never know if it's because it was actually done or it's just because the the desert is a really weird place and it doesn't feel real. And like when he throws the CGI motorbike through the back window of the car as well, you're just like, oh yeah, forgot about. Come the fuck on, man! Like this is awful. Come the fuck on, Bridget. It's like just lob a. Who cares about actor safety? Just fucking lob a real motorbike through the window. <laughs> but yeah, like, that would be my only drawback with this movie. Is it, like, it has a very, like, there are parts of this movie that are really fun. Don't get me wrong. There are parts of this movie that are stupidly fun. And in the right mood, this play basically plays like Rear Window with vampires. Mm-hmm. Or, bit, or, yeah. or, for the kids, Disturbia, if you're of a certain age. Um... Basically the same movie. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's another more recent one that would be like for anyone younger than that, no. but I don't. There is. Um, but yeah, like it's it's got a good heart. Like this movie has a really wicked sense of humour to it, and it is really funny in places. Like the original is really funny. It very much is a horror comedy. But the only thing is, like as I said to you, there's a lot of like muted colour palettes in this movie. This movie is very blue and very grey, and it's very dark. Not tonally but like actually physically like dark, dark. Yeah. um and also like that cgi is a real bummer man like because there's a there's a like the whole third act is kind of quite cgi reliant like amy's transformation is cgi 
He has a couple of different versions of like Jerry when he turns to CGI, which is shit. And the bit where um what's his fucking face? What's his name? Anton Yelchin's character, Charlie, Charlie sets himself on fire to to combat fucking Ch- uh, Jerry. The CGI flames, fucking dog toilet, mate. But this is a good movie. Like, this is one of the better remakes that came out. The thing out. is, as well, is all of the actors in this movie are, like, 100%, like, we are taking this seriously. Fucking, um, Colin Farrell learned an entire monologue in Latin. He got a Latin tutor to teach yeah, him an entire it, monologue in Latin. And then they cut it. Yeah. But the woman who taught him wrote a paper on it. Yeah, I saw. Because she was... I mean, I feel like if I met um, Colin Farrell, I would be instantly enamoured with him. I'm just mm-hmm. obsessed. And I'd be like, I'm going to write a paper about you. Mm-hmm. That's what actually happened. She was just pulled in by the charm that is Colin Farrell. Do you know one of the things I do love about this movie? And I'm going to say it, because far too many vampire movies do it. No weird vampire animals. I can't think of any movies with vampire animals right now. Blade Trinity, Vampire Pomeranians. That's one film. There's no vampire bats. Which is nice. There's no bats in this movie. Um, There's no people turning into werewolves like Dracula, which is nice. Um, there There does seem to be a thing. I have seen a bunch of like vampire stuff. I can't remember specifically what other than fucking... Um, Blade, but they you do every now and then get like a vampire thing where it's like, hey, we turn this fucking cat into a vampire or this hamster's a vampire, and I'm just like, come on. Man. I don't know what what you're chatting about, to be honest. But I feel like maybe we watch very different vampire films. We watch a lot of different stuff. We do. Um, yeah. What did you What did you think of like the characters over the over overall in this movie? Because I feel like this movie very much lit because it's a small cast. It very much lives and dies by its characters. Yeah, I really like the characters in it. Like, um, my favourites are obvious. Like, I really love Jerry. I really love Vincent. Vincent. No, Vincent was last week. What's his name? Charlie. No. David Tennant's character. Oh, David. Peter Vincent. Peter Vincent. I was like, I know there's Vincent in his name. Don't come at me. Um, I really love um, Jerry and I really love Peter. Um, I think they're fucking great characters and they're like the polar opposites of each other as well. Um, But yeah, I I think it's a really good cast. It's a cast that dedicated themselves to this movie, which is really nice to see because it could have easily been people just calling in a performance. Would you have preferred it to have been a little campier? I mean, I always want things to be a little campier. I'm not going to lie to you. See, I mean, David Tennant is camp as fuck in this movie. And I feel like that's his whole uh, assignment. But I feel like a little bit more... David Tennant definitely understood the assignment. I think a little bit of a lighter tone wouldn't have hurt. Because Tom Holland, the director of the original, saw this remake and said he fucking hated it. And I think part of that was because it takes itself far too seriously. Yeah, it's a little dour in places. Like, there's a couple of scenes where, like, I feel if you cast anybody other than Colin Farrell, that that whole thing could have been a lot different. Mm. Like, he could have had, like, a bit more of a... Because there's, like, there's, there's times in this movie, man, where he comes across, like, an actual sexual predator. Well, that was... He was worried about that. He did ask for script rewrites mm. because of it, but they didn't change anything. They're just like, no, it's fine. 
Cause he's but like, he was quite yeah. concerned about coming across that way because he he did ask for scripts to be he, rewritten. I'm not gonna lie, he just sounds like he wants to rape everybody like constantly, which is a bit unnerving. Especially the conversation that he has with Charlie about his mum and his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. It's really creepy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like they could have given him more funny lines. And I feel like if you'd put somebody else in the role, maybe. But then, like, how camp do you go and who do you cast? Because then it, you get the other end where it goes, like, he becomes less dangerous and he becomes Where it becomes like, very much like a uh, carry-on vampire. Yeah, he becomes, like, a really, hee-hee, I'm a vampire. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, it is a fine line, I think, with a lot of vampire movies. But I think... I appreciate, part of me appreciates the fact that everybody does take it seriously and it does come across in places like a legit scary vampire movie, but I feel like you can't have like a legit scary vampire movie bogged down by terrible CGI. And I think that's going to be the thing that always dates this movie because yeah, I mean the original one is like 37, 38 years old now, but you can still chuck it on because it knows exactly what it is. It's very much in that vein of like Elvira and like if he... Peter Vincent in that feels more... He is more like an Elvira crypt keeper. Like, he is a Saturday night spooky talk show host kind of guy. And it has those vibes in the film. And I, think- I feel like the change in his character in this one is very much because of the era. Like, this was the era of Chris Angel Mind Freak. And because it's set in Vegas. Yeah. I don't know. Elvira has a show in Vegas. The end of Elvira. So Yeah. At the end of Mistress of the Dawn. I mean, he could have quite easily been doing a fucking six-week residency with Celine Dion. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just thinking now how much better this movie would have been with Celine Dion and Vampire Hunter. Near far... Please stop. The stop. snakes in stop. your heart. Stop. <laughs> hey, man, people love it when I sing. I feel like that's not true. I feel like it is true. <laughs> He's fine. Um... Sorry, anyone that can hear that, one of our one of our tiny furry animal creature friends has got into our room and is hanging out with us during the recording of this podcast. So we do apologise for some technical difficulties there, but but we have a bing bong. We have a bing bong uh, somewhere. But yeah, like as a vampire movie, like take away the fact that it's a remake of an eighties film because you've never seen it, so you can't do the comparison. How do you feel about it as like a vampire movie? Because they kind of like take a piss on all the vampire mythology. <laughs> They don't really. He's all like, he's like, fuck your crosses, man. He's like, but your crosses don't do shit. And like, I mean, they stick to like a lot of the vampire law, like stakes with a heart can't enter a dwelling unless he's invited in. Has that always been a thing? Because yeah. I, I thought Buffy started that, but then that could be me showing. No, my I'm age. pretty sure. It alters slightly, I think. I think if I remember correctly, in, a, in Dracula, like leaving a window open is seen as an <coughs> invitation. Like there's a few get arounds of the rule, but I'm pretty sure being invited in has always been a. Yeah, because I was going to say in Dracula, I don't ever remember Gary Oldman being like, "Look, invite me up in this bitch," or or else. He doesn't enter, enter any of their houses. He he does. No, he doesn't. Yeah, man. When? Like he gets into the fucking mansion where like Winona Ryder's lit living he gets in like as smoke he goes in through the fucking window because like... she's left the window open a crack i literally just said that to you oh, yeah because he goes in as like the vapor he's all like 
Yeah. And he's in the forecourt because he's in the forecourt when he's. But that's like, not inside the house. When he's like the fucking werewolf because that's when he munches on her mate. But that's not inside the house, no, is it? But... Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so they they follow a lot of the the law. Well, hang on, hang on, hang on. Just to back up to what you said, is it specifically a house that they have to be avoiding, or is it any building? A private dwelling. Right, okay. I was going to say, because that motherfucker's like shopping at one point in Dracula. He goes to that fucking theatre with her and they dance. And I was no, like, it's a private dwelling. Okay. Um, which they play, it's really funny though, because they play on it in um, God, the vampire movie that I like. What We Do in the Shadows. When they go out drinking and they're like, yeah, we have to be invited in. Mm-hmm. Could, you, could you just invite us? Because <laughs> they play with that, which I think is really funny. Um, but yeah, no, so they do hold a lot of the vampire stuff true, which I appreciate. I mean, it's a slucky vampire film. Yeah. I just, the thing is, I think there's a lot, because obviously this was coming out around the same time as Twilight and there was like a few other vampire movies around at this time. It's kind of always interesting to see which vampires, because like about a year or two before this, you had Daybreakers, you'd Mm -hmm. already had the Blade movies, the Underworld movies were like coming to an end twilight was the biggest thing in the fucking world at this point Mm. um and then every single one of them has like different rules or different variations of the rule and i don't know who actually created the rules of vampire vampirism i'm gonna guess it was someone pre bram stoker it's mythology so i did I feel like vampirism is one of those things that stories slowly got added into the mythology, but it's like old wives' tales. Because and... a lot of the stuff in the movies is based on like what he did in Dracula. But a it? lot of Bram Stoker's things yeah. are based on stories he'd heard while travelling Europe. Yeah. Like so, real Like real, real vampires. Well, we say real vampires. When people were highly suspicious and were like, oh my god, people are going to come back. Yeah. And they were like, better like put them in a cage, better chop off their heads. I've seen a picture of that, actually. I've seen a picture of a fucking grave somewhere that's got a cage mm-hmm. like, built over the top There's, of it. If, so you, they if, can't, you, ever see, like, if you ever see some really old ones as well, they used to zombie be... Zombie-proof graves. Um, bells. So they used to be like a little bell tower above the graves um, with the the chain basically going into the tomb in case they buried anyone alive. Jesus fucking Obviously Christ. would not happen now. I know I know people are still scared of that, but like it's very unlikely you'd be buried alive now. That's fucking dark but, though, man. Yeah, just in case because it happened a few times. That's fucking weird though, man. Like to think that they had to used to have to like vampire proof things essentially. <laughs> well, I mean they didn't have to, but that belief was so strong that they fucking did. Yeah. Basically. They were like, oh, fuck, vampire. And what it is, it's Michael down the pub who's actually a serial killer. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, those vampires, guys. Maybe if we uh, put a jail cell over the coffin. I'll keep and like, I think for a while. Like, the thing with the consecrated earth as well, I think, is just an exclusive to Dracula thing, isn't it? Because I don't see none of these other motherfuckers, like, shipping dirt from their, like, hometowns around. Yeah, it is one of those bits that has kind of died out. Mm-hmm. But it was... There's, um... It's, it does happen in other vampire stories. Like there are other vampire films and books that are still reference the, the Earth having to be carried with them. Uh, but it is one of those ones that have died off, much like them being able to turn to bats, being able to turn to wolves, being able to turn to smoke. Um, All the fancy parlour tricks. Mm. Yeah, because he, he, in this one, they play this one very like straight down the line, don't they? He's like, 
you got your garlic, you got your steaks, you got your fucking silver bullets, you got... They never mentioned holy water in this, but I... No, they do, because she throws some in his face. Oh, okay. As I say, that's not to say that it wasn't in there. Yeah, she um, she literally throws some holy water in his face, and then he, like... When she's at the uh, Peter, Peter Vincent's tower block, and because uh, he, go, he goes down, and he's, like, smoking... But yeah, like, what like you... he's been on fire, not he's lit a cigarette. <laughs> what do you think of it as a vampire movie, though? I think it's, I guess, a schlocky vampire flick. Like, if it works. Because you are like the vampire person in our household. Yeah, I mean, is it my favorite vampire film they've ever made? No. Is it an intelligent vampire film? Not really. Is it a vampire trope, schlocky film? Yeah. Would I, if I was having a, I'm gonna watch all my favorite vampire films. Would I put this on? Probably not, but I don't hate it. it. It's yeah, it's a weird one, man. Because like, I feel, it could have been way funner. Yeah, I feel like that's my issue is the tone, because um, it never really settles into a tone. Um, it kind of just does things. It kind of does things. This is the thing: is it kind of settles into quite a dark tone. And then Peter Vincent gets introduced mm-hmm. and he brings like this comedy and then it kind of goes back and forth between being quite a serious vampire film and it's a little bit schlocky and funny. Very serious vampire movie. Lots of people are dying, guys. This man is insane. Mm-hmm. And then Peter, Peter Vincent shows up and he's like, oh, fuck off, knobheads. <laughs> and I'm like, eh, pick a pick a tune. Run with it. <laughs> Either make it super dark or make it a horror comedy. Don't back and forth on what it actually is because it does start out quite dark yeah and yeah so if you uh, I'm going to ask you a question now because I'd love to see who you'd put in the roles now if you were casting this movie now mm-hmm. who would you have play the main three characters Jerry Peter Vincent and, and Charlie, Charlie. Uh, I'd probably Sebastian Stan for Jerry yeah. probably I think you're right he would make a great Jerry. Yeah, especially after watching Fresh. Especially after watching Fresh, I think he's intimidating enough. It's Turtleneck Steve. It's Turtleneck Steve. Um, Peter Vincent, probably still David Tennant. To be fair, mm-hmm. man could still pull it off. Like, I don't know if he'd want to, but he could still do it. I can't imagine anyone else playing him. I can't think of an actor, like modern actor, who could do that role. To be mm-hmm. honest. And then Charlie, it'd be somebody like um, Evan Yogia or um, Noah Centineo, like just for the star power. Yeah. I like Evan Yogia as well, so I probably have him in it. I quite like him. That's fair. Or if we were going to play off somebody's acting prowess and star power, get Nick Jonas in on this bitch. Nick Jonas would be way sexier than Vampire Man, He though. would. That would be, would be a be major problem. It would be fucking pointless. Yeah, I think probably um, Evan Drogia, because Noah Centineo is a very handsome dude. Mm-hmm. Nice. I can just hear the cat. I don't know yeah. what he's doing, but he's doing something. Yeah. <laughs> Little shit. Little shit. What about you? So I would probably have Turtleneck Steve as the vampire. Yeah. Um, I would either... I've got two oh. choices... <laughs> Where has he come from? <laughs> I've got two two char- two choices for Charlie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would either have Tom Holland. Oh, um, yeah, you could call it actually Tom Holland. Because Tom Holland's got that 
I'm just a kid, man. I'm scared of everything. He does have the face for it. That is true. Or if I was going, making Charlie slightly older looking, I would have Jaquade play him. Oh, I do love Jaquaid. Because Jaquaid and Anton Yelchin kind of look alike. There is, there is some. And then I would have Jenna Ortega play the girlfriend. I would have Neve Campbell play the... It's a Scream reunion. <laughs> what a shock. And then I would have... I'm gonna. This is going to be a weird one, but it will make sense when I say it. Chris Jericho as Peter Vincent. Yeah, it does make sense. It does. Do you know what, actually? If we were having Jaquaid as... Um, Charlie. As Charlie, I would trade out his mum and make it his dad, and I would cast Jaquade's actual dad. No, <laughs> Dennis no. Quaid. Um, what's his name? Seth from the OC. Oh, Adam Brody. Adam Brody. He doesn't. He doesn't look like he's old enough to be Jaquade's dad. When does anyone ever look like they're old enough to be somebody's dad in a yeah. movie? Babe, is a good I question. Probably... But also, they do look similar enough that they could easily yeah. pull off father and son. I would have Samara Weaven as the girlfriend in that case then. Good shout, good shout, good shout. So we can have more awkward sexual tension between Samara Weaving and... <laughs> also, for anyone who doesn't know who Jaquaid is, it's Jack, Jack Quaid, Quaid, who is sensational in Scream 5. He, I know. Do you know, what the, do you know what the weird thing is? Just as a, a, just, do, you know, do you know what the weird thing is? Just as an aside, I've seen Scream 5 four, five times now? And literally, I do not give a single solitary fuck about any of the characters except for Amber and Richie. <laughs> so basically, we have nicknames for a lot of actors and yeah, Jaquade is one of them. I don't know where it came from, but yeah, he became Jaquade quite quickly. Jaquade is a babe. Jaquade is a babe. We, we are big fans. And then obviously the Brie, who I referred to earlier. Yeah, I would, I would actually think that'd be a really interesting... Or you could gender swap... Peter Vincent and have Kate McKinnon play it. Yes, the the character as like a because you could have her, her do a like a riff on Elvira type no, of no, no. weird. You have her doing a slightly gothier take of her character from Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah, that would work. Yeah, that'd be really funny. I would, I would pay good she's, money. She's Plus, fucking Carol she, Baskin. Ten out of ten as well because we see uh, Peter Vincent spends a lot of this movie with his chest out. You know full well Kate McKinnon would be like, I'm doing it, but I will I won't get my boobs out, but I'll wear vests. Yeah, so you with no bra like and suit vests with no bra and no shirt. Hmm. So like there's the implication that I am naked underneath it. Hmm. And I would pay good money because I like looking at that woman. Mm-hmm. She's very funny in uh, Friends from College. Um I feel like she's very funny in everything. Well honest. as I say, she plays Carol Baskin in that fucking Joe Exotic Carol Baskin show that's just come out. Oh yeah. Which is fucking weird. Bitches out there feeding tigers, humans. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly, air quotes. Allegedly. Please don't, please don't feed me to your. Don't, don't Siegfried and Roy me, please, Carol. <laughs> allegedly. Um, in fact, I don't even think it's allegedly anymore. I'm pretty sure she's been proven innocent. Also, actually, do you know who would? Now that I'm thinking of it, do you know who would make a really good Jerry? Purely because nobody would suspect him. Mm. But I'm convinced IRL he is a vampire. Paul, Paul Rudd. Rudd. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, you were like, I'm convinced. I was like, it's fucking Paul Rudd. Because I don't age. think I've ever seen Paul Rudd do a serious role or a villainous role. He just no. plays like the really nice person in everything. But I feel like if he was given the right villain role 
And, like, people find Paul Rudd sexy. Paul Rudd is sexy. He got voted the sexiest man alive last year or the year before. I think it was last year because it was when he was promoting Ghostbusters. And they did that weird fucking photo shoot with him. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I actually, surprisingly, I think of the four movies we've watched this this um, month. month, this is the one that's held up the best. It's, in terms of, like, the, the special effects are shit, but, like, there's no... No regrettable language no, in it, true. really. Um, it it plays kind of quite straight, and it's a a decent enough remake of it. Does kind of basically the same beats as the original. Um, it doesn't wildly deviate, which kind of means that at times it's not really its own thing. However. I think it stands on its own as a serviceable remake and in a fucking decade or a decade and a half that was littered with fucking remakes, this is one of the best ones. Yeah. Um, I just wish that it had been more practical. I think that is what ages this movie is, a f- is the special effects. But like all of the performances are solid. I think it's a real shame that they rushed out a sequel and then recast everybody and just smashed it out on like Blu-ray for like a fiver. Um, I think that's regrettable. But then I think they did the same thing with the first movie. Like well, they I mean, the, the sequel for this is not actually in any way endorsed by the original film. It's actually it is actually a made remake because Ed is still alive. Yeah. Yeah, they basically just gender swapped Jerry and remade the film and set it in like Europe or something, didn't they? Mm. It's like Euro trip, like Romania, I think yeah. it's set. The motherland. Um, yeah. Which I just find really fucking weird that they just like, yeah, let's everyone go to Romania for three days and we'll just shoot a movie. Well, it's um, a Romanian production, I think. I don't, yeah. Like, I, I don't think it was made in conjunction with the original no. at all. Um, so what are your final thoughts on the Fright Night remake and your score? Let's let's get to that bit. Um, I think it was very fun. No? No, what I was going to say. As I don't think it was fun enough. There we go. Get my words out properly. Um, I think it could have been a, a way more fun film than we actually got. I, um, I really like the cast. I think the acting's good. I think everybody is actually fucking putting that all in, which is unexpected, to be honest. Um... Yeah. Um, rating wise, I don't know what I'd actually give it. Probably like hmm, a three. It's not monstrous, but also it could have done with you know actually using practical effects instead of CGI. And I just can't. The shift in tone, the constant shift in tone, is a little bit much for me. So yeah, I'd say three. I think a three is perfectly solid. It's perfectly serviceable. Um, I agree with you. I think the tonal shift is a bit all over the place. I think it wanted to be taken seriously as a horror movie, but I think also it wanted to kind of remain some of those fun elements from the original, and I don't think they get the balance quite right. But it shows that Craig Gillespie is a competent filmmaker, and he obviously went on to make some really good things since. Like, he's obviously... You know, I, I Tonya, was, like, very well received. Um, And I just kind of feel like... For its time and for what it was trying to accomplish, it's a very good movie. Um, It's not a particularly scary movie, but it's got a good atmosphere to it. It has a good pace. Like, as you said last week, when we watched fucking House of Wax, and it was like 
two hours long. We were both like, why the fuck is this movie two hours long? Um, this movie seemed to be... Reasonably paced? Uh, yeah, it seemed to be about the same length, but it did not feel like it was no. two hours long. It it goes along at a clip. How um, long is this film, actually? Because it's the one thing I didn't look up, which I normally do. I can't remember, actually. I don't think we've addressed it, whether this movie was released in 3D. Because there are a couple of really distracting scenes in this where stuff gets thrown at the camera... And I don't know if that's just editing choices that were made when they filmed it, or if it actually this, was released in 3D. This film is an hour and 46 minutes yeah. long. Um, because there are a couple uh, of yes, those... Yes, it was. It was released in real D3D. Yeah, so there you go. There's a couple of those really funny moments where, like, an arrow is coming towards the screen, or, like... Blood splatters. Blood splatters towards the screen and stuff. But, yeah, I mean, it's a perfectly innocuous, perfectly harmless remake. I mean... As far as remakes go, as I said, I don't have a massive personal attachment to the original, but I also don't think it pisses on the legacy of the original like a lot of remakes do. Um, I think there's room enough in the world for both of them. Um, and I think also it kind of proves, to kind of end the episode on a dour note, it kind of proves how talented Anton Yelchin was. Like, it's a shame that he died at the age of 27 because you can see that he... Like, he had quite a promising career ahead of him and he he's very charming in this movie he like his character's a bit of a dickhead but he plays like the character very well and you can see like the like he's 22 in this movie and he's going up against Colin Farrell and David Tennant for the majority of this movie yet he never feels like he's being drowned out by the older more experienced actors no and i think that's kind of one of the one of his charms was that he has he had a real everyman quality about him, and every time he was on screen, he was believable in the role that he was playing. But he never felt like he was out of his depth. He never felt like he was struggling to keep up with the other actors. And I think it is a real shame that he passed away like five years after this yeah. came out. Yeah, he passed away in 2016. I think probably the only other thing I want to say is, because I've only just realised this, and I can't believe I didn't notice. So the, the score for this movie was done by Ramin J- Jawadi, yep. who's the guy who scores Game of Thrones, yeah. and like Flash Forward and Westworld, Westworld he did spe- specific. Re- he did um, Iron Man three as he well. Did Iron Man three. Man has like a pedigree when it comes to uh, scores, and you do feel it. Actually, I will give the score for this movie amazing points because it feels like it feels like it's pulled influence from every vampire film ever made. There are specific bits in it when we we, we uh, when we rewatch Dracula, you will hear them. There are specific musical cues in this movie that sound like they are lifted from Bram Stoker's Dracula. There's part of the score that was um, pulled from uh, Blood Rain. The video game, not the horrendous films that are based on the video I, game. I, it just said Blood Rain, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, because you know all of the like the Westworld trailers where they had like the music box versions of like heart-shaped box and the Radiohead songs? He mm. did all of those. Mm. Um, yeah, man does have a pedigree. Yeah. He's fucking great. Like he's a he, he is an amazing he's one of those composers um, composer. whose name you don't hear often enough. No, there's a few like that, and I feel like they very much slip under the radar. But they are because they don't do like Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. Mm. Like this man scored Game of Thrones, and he scored a massive chunk of Game yeah. of Thrones as well. And his name never gets thrown out. But also, as I've spoken about a lot recently, because it does keep coming up, Game of Thrones did die a death. So the only the only composer who I keep hearing a lot of recently. And it's because he's done like five scores in a row is Giacchino. Because Giacchino just did No Way Home 
and the Batman are back he's, to back. He's the one who does the fun yeah. track names, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. So he did uh, all of Tom Holland's Spider-Man trilogy. He's just done the Batman. He did all the Star Trek movies. Um, he may... No, that was Hans Zimmer. But he's um, he's actually becoming a director. He is directing the Marvel Studios MCU Halloween special, Werewolf by Night. Well, there we well, it's, go. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I would probably agree with you on this one. I would give this movie a three. I think it's effective. It does what it needs to. I mean, some of the editing choices and the special effects have not held up. But I had a good time watching yeah, it. Yeah, it's fun. I think of all the movies we've re-watched this month, it's the one one of the ones I had the best time with. And especially coming off of the back of last week with House of Wax. I think this is That a movie was just me. Massive improvement. However... That is it from us for March. The remake month is done. So, let us know. Did you enjoy our remakes month? Which one of our remakes that we revisited is your favourite? Which ones do you like? Which ones don't like? Which ones did we miss? Which ones did we miss? Could you you tell us? And where would you tell us? You would tell us on social media. S-I-M-A-H-F pod (laughs) on Twitter. So, I'm Aaron a horror fan on Tumblr and Instagram. All one word, all lowercase. What? This is the way you're like, could you tell us? Where can you tell us? This is where you can tell us. Um, we will be back on Friday with uh, a kicking off April. So April is a whole month dedicated to Lee as it is the month of her birth. So Friday, this Friday coming, we will be covering our top five movies from the decades we were born on our 5x5. Five five. So for me, I'll be doing my top five 80s horror movies. Lee will be doing her top five 90s horror movies. So look out for that. And we will be back next week, kicking off April proper, with the 2002 Hot Topic Stained, goth light, fucking industrial vampire movie, Queen of the Damned. Yeah, we will, motherfucker. I'm so excited. God bless Aaliyah, she died for our sins. <laughs> um, that's that's going to do it for this episode. As I say, we will see you all on Friday. Take care of yourselves. Stay spooky, stay safe. See you later. Bye. Bye.